You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So I'm listening to this uh, uh, chattering going on in the hallways, having a few one-on-ones, listening to other stories, some overflow of previous conversations, and I see that a lot of you are really connecting with this series And you're taking the steps, if you've not already done so, to make a big splash. And you're doing it with Psalm 82.3 ministry, but you're also doing it in your own sphere of influence as well. And I have to tell you, as a pastor, that is one of the most exciting things about church for me. I ask people sometimes, hey, what do you think the role of a pastor is? And Scripture actually defines it. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells us that the role of a pastor is to equip and empower people to do ministry. So if this series is really a shot of spiritual adrenaline for you and you are going out taking steps to make a huge impact, a big splash from all that you have and what God is doing in your lives, then keep it rolling. And let's see uh, just what we can do collectively, but also individually. And I have to tell you, uh, as one of your pastors, I almost blew it with this big splash idea. Almost blew it big time with a little gal. Um, I know her as Pudding Pop. You know her as little Isabella, my youngest daughter. She's about this tall. Now, Isabella was wanting to get involved in something that I was doing with Christian and Sophia. Had Christian and Sophia cleaning out our pantry. I don't know about you, but our pantry is low on the priority list. So there's probably hard noodles, a little bit of flour, some spaghetti, an open can, something going on in the pantry all the time. We're just not the best at keeping that thing clean. So I was like, okay, it's time to do something with this. So I'm like, I'll have Christian and Sophia work together to coach them up so that they're really getting involved with teamwork. No arguing, no complaining, no whining. Just go in there, cast your own vision with it, empower them, and allow them to just clean this pantry. So give them the layout and like run with it. Come back. Sophie's sweeping, but all of our groceries, I'm talking boxes, cereal, noodles, bags of stuff, different packages, cans, everything's kind of lumped up into this big mountain and then is just sweeping this stuff out of there. But hey, every leader knows when you give someone responsibility, you also give them authority and you also allow them to create their own vision for it and to move in there, make mistakes, but also assess what they're doing right and roll with it. So I'm thinking, you know what? Great opportunity for them to grow. Keep it rolling. I don't know what your vision is for this. Right now, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but you keep it flowing and make the most of it. So Bella's coming around. She's pulling on my shirt and she's following me all over the house saying, Daddy, can I help? I want to help Christian and Sophie. And I keep putting her off. Just, you know, this is something I really want Christian and Sophie to focus on. I've got a plan for them. This is to build in and help them nurture one another, really lean into the dynamic of teamwork. So she's still following me around, really wants to get involved. And I finally let her get involved in a little bit. And it ends up with a package of confectionery sugar is spilled. And then we can't find Isabella until she pops up from behind one of the corner chairs. And she stripped her clothes off because they're just powder-filled, if you will. They were blue, now they're white. So they got all that stuff on. She comes over, she's crying, she thinks she's going to be in huge trouble. We couldn't care less about junk like that. I mean, everybody makes messes, right? So when kids make a mess, come alongside them, help them clean it up and help them move forward. That's, that's the goal right there. So we do that with Isabella. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's get her involved in the mix. So I asked Sophie to find a job for Isabella. Isabella loves it. 
She goes in, no complaining, no whining. It's not a problem to her. She loves helping clean out the pantry. She loves putting different cans over here, different boxes over here, organizing it all around. I almost missed it because last night I came over here to set up a table. I was going to set up a table, put a few postcards out, put a tablecloth on the table. That's it. To me, it's mundane. It's boring. It's no big deal. It's taking away from me being at home with the family. I've got to come over here and do this menial task. Bella asks to come with me. So I bring her and we're walking through one of the hallways. We got the table. We bring it out front, got the tablecloth. And midway through accomplishing our objective, she says this. These are her words. Daddy, thank you for letting me come with you. I just love helping. Her words. I just love helping. And I had to check myself in my mind and think, David, this is what you do. Don't miss this. This is what you do. And I guarantee you I'd put money, or as some people say, I'd bet a lot of someone else's money on this, that when she gets a little older, I bet it comes out that she has the spiritual gift of what we call helps or helping. It's not mundane to her. It's not boring. It's not menial. There is a sense of fulfillment that just swells up into her when she's helping, whether it's a table or a pantry. Life clicks when she's helping. So some time ago, someone asked me uh, where I go to church and I told them Northeast. They didn't know where that was. I don't know how you reference Northeast. I always say it's basically across the street from Meyer in Helmberg. Meyer's the point of reference. Anybody else do that? Meyer's the main stop. Basically across the street, we're there, big cross in the center. They say, so what's your church about? I gave them this technical rundown about our leadership structure, restoration movement, all that jazz. I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have said, you know what our church is all about? We're all about changing diapers. Really? I wish I'd have said, you know what? Our church is about coaching baseball. If you want to think about Northeast, we're about building houses. Or Northeast, yeah, we're a church that's about buying groceries or mowing lawns, drinking coffee. That's the kind of church we are. And it's easy to say, hey, what are you talking about when you see those things? But just like a little girl who finds this crazy fulfillment in cleaning a pantry, when these things are happening, something different is occurring. So you're good with changing diapers. And you find yourself being so fulfilled when you serve in baby land. It's not a problem for you. You'd sacrifice four Sundays a month to be involved in there because there's something that happens that life clicks when you're serving in that area. Or when you're coaching baseball, you know you're not just out there giving the signs and everything like that or teaching fundamentals. You're actually teaching fundamentals of life and baseball is the way you're able to connect with some youth and move them forward. Or when you're grocery shopping, you're not just buying groceries. You're well aware that you go to the same checkout every single time because you're developing a relationship with that cashier and you've got a plan for the relationship you're building. You see things differently. I remember someone told me a long time ago when I first got involved in ministry, it was actually an elder at the church we were attending. And this elder said, David, I want you to know something. If someone ever asks you for a cup of coffee, if they say, hey, you know what? Let's go out and have a cup of coffee. They don't really want a cup of coffee. They don't want coffee. They want your time. 
They either want to build into you or they want you to build into them. And I think over the past 20 years, I've seen that. And that is one of the reasons that many of you, when I connect with you, I say, hey, let's get a cup of coffee because there's some guidance, some building into going over the, on there. So this is what we're about. And we're about so many other things because Northeast, it's made up of you and me. This is who we are. So when we do some things and everybody else sees it as mundane or menial or boring, it's thrilling to us. Life is clicking because we're in tune with what God is doing in our lives. So when Monty asked me a few weeks ago, he tied me and said, hey, we take week three of this and actually push spiritual gifts with a big splash. I said, absolutely, because this is one of the things I love to talk about. And I have to tell you, I'm saddened just a little bit because when you look at discipleship, it's so easy to detach spiritual gifts from discipleship. But spiritual gifts are at the heart of discipleship. They're at the heart. Have you heard of the Jahari window? Have we talked about that before? The Jahari window? Basically, the idea is that there's, our lives are like a window and there's four pains, P-A-N-E, in everyone's life. And the first one is this idea of being open. Some people may say, say the arena. This is where you and I, we see one another and everything is out in the open. We see characteristics and qualities about one another. The stuff is known, if you will. I think about Missy Pate. And I see her, and when I see her at a coffee shop or I see her in the hallways here at Northeast, and I talk with her about her job, do you, when you talk with me, I know some of you have, do you see her stand up straighter? And you see that little twinkle in her eye? Because she loves what she is doing. And you know, Missy's story, it makes sense that she would be involved in the ministry in which she's involved. It clicks for her. And you talk to Missy, it's obvious, it's open. You, you can see This is making a difference in her life. So when I talk about spiritual gifts, that's the definition that I actually like to use. I've used it with you before. I don't get into technicalities. We don't want to over-spiritualize it or anything like that. It's basically God's movement in your life. So we culminate all of the teachings that come from the New Testament about spiritual gifts, kind of boil it down and say, a spiritual gift is basically what makes sense for you to be doing You hear Missy talk about her job, and it just makes sense that she's in that role. What makes sense for you to be doing? So you know Adam Smith, Adam Smith around here? Uh, For years, he taught downtown, and he would teach a group of men. He would teach them the idea of boundaries, or he would teach them the idea of changes that heal. And that material is from Henry Cloud, and he's not just some wonky psychologist. He's actually a Christian and everything he writes is built on biblical principles. So this idea of changes that heal, he would teach these gentlemen and he would teach them that there are some things in life we need to take a closer look at. Some things in life, they're not that obvious to us. They're not that obvious to other people. We've got some stuff going on here and we need to work below the surface to bring that out and work through it and identify changes that will heal our lives. He taught it for years, and he knows this material like the back of his hand. I kid you not, I wouldn't be surprised if he could quote three or four pages at a time verbatim, maybe even a chapter or two. The guy just knows the stuff. So he and I started talking about 18 months ago, something like that. What if we had a morning class, Sunday morning class, and it was devoted to this material? Would that help? 
So we worked through some logistics and I prayed about it. He prayed it up and I was totally sold out that we do need that here. And if there was anyone that it made sense for someone to be teaching it, it would be him. So we fired it up last, uh, in January actually. And check this out. Every Sunday morning, 9.30 in the gym, changes the hill. We've got about 30 people in there already that are taking the time to explore some deeper issues in their lives and working through them. It's amazing. And I tell you, there are people calling the church, calling the church, asking for him, calling the church, asking about this class because he has tapped into something that makes sense for him to be doing and God is using it and God is blessing it. Uh, Also, this class is not designed for a certain demographic. You can plug in at any time. It's open to Northeast, whether you're first time here, whether you've been here for 15 years, it's open to everyone and the way he teaches, which is so beautiful. If you've missed the first three or four weeks, you're not behind. He can catch you up to speed and there's kind of an open door. I don't like that imagery because it says you can leave at any time and we don't necessarily want you to, but you can plug in at any time in this class. It's phenomenal and it makes sense that he's doing this. You can see it, you can hear it when you talk to him. But the Jahari window has another pain. It says there's this idea that there are areas in our lives to which we are blind. We don't see them. Other people do, and maybe people have come to you before, and you deflect it, you play it down, you don't lean into it, but people are coming to you, coming to you and they're saying, I see this in you. I've seen this positive pattern playing out in your life. You know what I think you're really good at? It seems like God is blessing you in, but for some reason you don't see it. It doesn't make sense to you. What we want to do is throw some time and intention and effort and energy into making sure that every single one of us, if we're gifted in a certain way, that you're able to see it just as clearly as God sees it and other people. I want you to think of Romans chapter 12. Paul says, in his grace, God, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Different gifts to do certain things well. So Steve referenced in announcement time this shape class that we're doing. And we've had a team working really hard on it. The first time we ran this some time ago, we had 70 people uh, show up. Beautiful time. But the time was a little bit laborious, if you will. I think we were going around two and a half, three hours. Great. But this team has been working great, uh, really hard on this, investing a lot of energy. And they've made it concise. So here's what we're going to do. On March 17th, two weeks from today, in the upstairs conference room, we're going to run it in second service. So 1030 to 12. And the idea of shape is to come along the side of you and help you identify your spiritual gift, the way that God says this makes sense for you to be serving according to your heart. There are some things that prick your heart and you want to make a difference in those areas. According to your abilities, your personality, your experience, what makes sense for you to be doing. We want to come alongside you and say, if you're blind to that, we'll spend an hour and a half together. There'll be people coaching you up, teaching you up, walking you through scripture, helping you explore questions you haven't asked before and giving you a better understanding for what God wants to do through you. That different way he has gifted you so that you can do certain things 
really, really well. Is that fair? It's so easy. I do this myself. It's so easy for us to look out at other Christ followers and box them in to only what makes sense or only what, appreci- only what we appreciate about what God is doing in other people's lives. That's a detriment. I heard a great, great quote one time. A guy said, you know what we should do? Instead of boxing people in, we should listen. And the next time someone comes to us and says, you know what you need to do? You need to fast. Or you know what you need to do? You need to journal. Or you know what you need to do? You need to take a vow of silence. Or you know what you need to do? You need to join this boycott that we're doing. This quote says, the next time someone comes to you and says those things, we should gently remind them that while those those activities may be beneficial for some people, they are not mandated for all. We have been given different gifts to lean into. I think about Romans 12 again. I just elevated these straight from the text. Elevated these straight from the text. And as we work through them, I want, you to, I want to ask you, do you see something unique? What's something interesting about these words? But if you read Romans chapter 12, and you can also read 1 Corinthians 12. This is not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. This is just a handful that Paul references in Romans 12. But do you see anything interesting about those words? These are straight from Romans 12. Serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, helping. Aren't those broad? What's the specifics? Serving is listed. What does that look like? I would say you tell me. How does it make sense for you to be serving. Encouraging. Encouraging is a neat word. This is less about a pat on the back. This is more about the idea of helping someone live out their faith. I think about the rise of Christian counselors. It's a beautiful career choice and a great asset to the kingdom. But these are broad helping. Is it helping clean up a pantry or set a table in the lobby? What else is included under the umbrella of these words? Well, if you have this gift, you can do certain things well. And it's different. And it'll play out differently based on who you are and what makes sense for you to be doing. Is that cool or what? That's how God has tapped into his church. And one thing else about the spiritual gifts, scripture's clear that every single one of us, and I meet people all the time and say, I just don't think God has gifted me. He's overlooked me or I'm not there yet. Scripture is clear that every single, every single follower of Jesus Christ has been gifted. Every single one. Which actually leads us to the next pain. Hidden. The Jahari window says there are areas of our life that are hidden. You know that as well as I do. There are things about David Green that you don't know and you will never know unless I reveal them to you. I keep them hidden. Well, this applies to spiritual gifts as well. I bet there are a couple dozen of you here this morning and you know what makes sense for you to be doing. 
You know what you do when life clicks. You know what causes you to stand up straight. You get that sparkle in your eye and you can just talk about something all day long. You have a clear vision for something. You know how God wants to work this out in your life. I bet you know your shape. No one has to tell you. But for some reason, you're hiding it. Let me tell you how important this is. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. It starts in verse 14. You can make a note of that and read it later. But he tells a story of a master who's in charge of some servants, and he has plentiful resources. And he doles them out to each servant. He gives one servant, let's say, uh, five. And he gives the next servant two. And he gives one servant one. In the story, Jesus says, this servant says, hey, I'm giving this to you, kind of trusting it with you. And I'm going away. And while I'm away, I want you to use what I've given you. And I want you to use it well. When you read the story, it's really interesting. The text doesn't teach us that there's a certain way to use it. It just tells us that we are in control of if and how we do use it. So he's gone for some time. And the first two servants in the story, they actually use what they've been given. They use it really, really creatively, intentionally. They use it well. And they have an impact. Their investment doubles, if you will. So the master returns and he calls attention to everyone. He says, hey, what'd you do? And the first guy comes and says, I put it to good use and I actually doubled it. Here you go. And the master says, well done. The second servant comes and says, you know what? You didn't give me as much as you did the other guy, but that's okay. It's not as much and it's different. But what you did give me, I've used it the best that I possibly could. And I actually doubled mine too. Here you go. And the master says, it doesn't matter how much, how many gifts you've been given, what I've sent your way. What matters is that you used it. So he says, well done. And he goes to the third servant. And he says, so what about you? And the third servant says, well, some of you have read this story. You know what he says. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I know the couple of dozen of you in here can relate to that. You know what you've been given. And I bet you know how to use it. But you're afraid. You know Craig Groeschel, popular pastor, author, Craig O'Shell tells a great story. When he first got involved in ministry and he would speak in front of people, he said first handful of times he would throw up behind stage. It just messed with him so much standing in front of all these people. He would throw up. Then it got just a little better to where he just, he wouldn't throw up, but he felt like he really needed to. So he started praying through this and he developed this one little thing. And maybe you'll notice this in some of his videos when he steps on stage to speak. And he takes that step forward. He said he made an agreement with himself. Then when he stepped on stage and he's wrapped up in that spiritual battle, when he's timid, when he's fearful, but he still knows in the back of, back of his mind what God has called him to do, he's going to take that step forward and do his best to put all that behind him and step into how God has shaped him, step into what makes sense for him to be doing regardless of the battle. And I bet some of you do have a battle. And it's causing you to be timid or afraid or to hide your gifts. So the servant says, I was afraid. So I took what you gave me and I buried it. It's in the ground. Do you want me to go dig it up? And the master chastises this guy. 
He calls them lazy and wicked and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. From a pastor's perspective, that's powerful. Because Jesus relates that story to you and I. And our master, he's not here right now. Our master's absent. And he's left us with some stuff. And it's different. It's not the same amount. It's not the same kind. But he's expecting you and I to use what he's given us to the absolute best of our ability. To give our best shot at it. And if we're burying it, what does that say about us expecting his return? So when Jesus talks about responsibility, he lifts it high. You can't detach this idea of spiritual gifts from discipleship. It's just not there. So 2 Timothy 1 actually speaks to this. Paul tells a young man named Timothy who was a young man who was often afraid. He says, fan into flame the gift of God. You, Timothy, do whatever you need to do to fan into flame this gift. For the Spirit of God does not give us or does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You know what this text tells me? This text tells me that you can do it, that I can do it. Instead of hiding it, instead of burying it, we've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline to carry out exactly what makes sense for us to be doing. So here's what I want to do. If, if you're not with a shape dynamic, you know, you're not blind to it, and you need someone to coach you through it, you have buried this talent of yours. I've created my schedule this week so that there, I think there's 12 or 15 opportunities, 12 or 15 opportunities, and I would love to meet with you. And maybe it's a cup of coffee, maybe it's in the office, maybe it's somewhere else, maybe it's your favorite car, coffee shop. You know mine, right? Maybe it's your favorite. We'll go there this time. But there's opportunities. Just go to nccleX.org David, and you can sign up. Just drop your name in there, and I want to sit with you, and I want to talk with you. If you've buried your spiritual gift, what God has given you, if you've just dug a hole, put it in there and stuff, I want to work with you, and I want to help you dig that up now and put it to use. This is important, guys. This is important. So go there, sign up. I will meet with you and we'll work things out. Fair? Okay, the last pane of the Johari window. The last pane, we don't know. It's not open where everyone can see it. It's not where everyone can see it except us. It's not where we're the only ones who can see it because we're hiding it. The implication here is for good or for bad. Whatever the circumstances or scenario, whatever the setup is, who knows what we're capable of? What is the impact? So I was going to call this next little, as we close here, this next little section, uh, the men admire. But I got to thinking, you know, that sounds like some kind of cheesy calendar that you'd find at Spencer's, right? So we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're going to call it uh, four guys that I talked to at a grocery store. Okay, four guys that I talked to at a grocery store. And the first guy, I think I told you about him before. I was pushing a buggy headed toward the checkout aisle. He was pushing a buggy headed toward the back of the store. And we passed. And typically, you know, I look at other people, but I don't smile at just random dudes. I just don't do that. For some reason, he and I, we smiled at each other. I thought it was puzzling and odd. So we go on and I get this prick in my heart that says, hey, you need to go chat with that guy. 
So I'm thinking, all right. So I whisk the buggy around and I go and I find him in the appliance, small appliance section there with all the kitchen stuff. So we're there and I'm like, dude, I know this is going to be weird, but I really feel like I need to chat with you for a few minutes. So we introduce one another. We talk for a few moments. A couple of weeks later, he comes and he visits us here. Now he's got some stuff going on in his life. So he's not hanging out with us consistently. But I really believe, because we keep touch every now and then, you know, in contact, I believe that he's going to come back. And some good things are going to happen in his life. A guy number two is up front in Meyer. He's one of the greeters. And over about a six-month period, he and I developed a really good relationship. We're at the stage in our relationship where we've got the three process bro hug thing boom 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 you know what I'm talking about and you pump in like that we've got that going on so every time I walk into Meyer and see this guy we chat for a few minutes probably three or five minutes no joke just catching up and everything so August the first Friday in August he and I are going to connect and he's invited me into something that his church is doing which is really neat and I'm thinking wow what's the impact here what what will this really turn into It's just really cool from my perspective. Uh, The third guy, I'm at the Valentine's card section in Meyer. Michelle and I don't do cards that often. You know, sometimes they can capture what you want to say. Sometimes they can't. Plus, they're expensive. I mean, it was cool when it was six or seven bucks, but you opened it and something bounced out or there was music. That was really nice. But some cards you just open and they're still $6.99. You can go to, what is it, the Dollar Tree over on Maple Leaf? And you can get two for a dollar. That's amazing. So I'm at the Valentine's Day card section, and it's not Valentine's Day. Um, I'm two or three days out, okay? So don't think I'm that guy. And I'm at the card section here just looking randomly for ideas or thoughts or whatever. And the guy comes over to the section, and he and I exchange formalities. And I, can, I get the sense that he wants to talk a little more. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, not now. I'm ready. It's time to go. So I end the conversation and push the car and I'm going and I get that same prick in my heart. I'm like, you need to go back and talk to him. So I'll go back and I'm looking for this guy and I find him in a toothpaste aisle. I'm like, hey, I know, right? I'm like, (laughs) I know this is weird, but you're a nice guy. Here's my line. I know you're a nice guy. Where do you go to church? It's, you know, it's easy. It deflates everything. So where do you go to church? And he tells me that actually he and a team that he's a part of, they're working on some really cool stuff with kind of a new church idea downtown and I'm connecting with him and we're going to have lunch here in the next couple of weeks and just talk about what's going on I'm thinking wow what's the impact there and the fourth guy this is my favorite he's over at the milk section in Meyer, and he's got his buggy there and he's got a little girl and she's seated in that front compartment you know what I'm talking about and she's facing him and I love what's going on he's pushing her then he'll stop and I'm just watching from afar from a little bit of a distance and he'll push and he'll stop. And then the way he's interacting with his little girl, and it was obvious that that's his baby. The way he's interacting with her, I don't see that in enough dads. And I have to tell you, here at Northeast, we have some killer dads. I chat with dads all the time, and they tell me what's going on and how they're discipling their kids, how they're in the mix, how they're making sacrifices for their children. And I have to tell you, and I want to do this, can we give it up for the dads here at Northeast for a minute? The dad is such an important role, and I see great things happening in families all the time because of the dads here. 
I wish I saw it more out and about. And I saw it in this guy. He's interacting with this cute little girl here, and it's beautiful. So I go up to him and say, hey, man, don't want to be weird or take up much of your time, but you're killing it as a dad. That's awesome how you're treating her. And he talks with him for a few minutes. Come to find out, he had been here once before. And then he had been here a handful of times since then. He was on my heart and mind somewhat recently, so I reached out to him, gave him a call. He reached back. We went out, had coffee, and then he came. And I said, you know what? I think your next step is to get plugged in one of our mid-sized classes. So we get him connected to one of the classes. And we have these table talks. So if someone's new, there's not much of an expectation to do any kind of speaking. But he's involved with the table talk dynamic. And then at the end, we bring it back to the bigger class. And he voices how what's going on is impacting him. How it's making a difference in his life. And I'm thinking, that's awesome. Now, if you know me, you know that I am, my wife disagrees with this, by, but by default, I'm, I'm introverted. I really am. I kid you not. But I know how God has wired me and what makes sense for me to be doing. And as a pastor, it makes sense for me to be taking the initiative to build into people's lives, even though it takes a lot out of me. I'm telling you this for the same reason that I've told you all this stuff before. I know what it's like. But I also know the potential And when you lean into how God has wired you or gifted you, what's laborious or challenging, that can diminish. Or you can bust through those walls and you can start to see the impact. Let me raise the bar just a little bit more before we close. Do you know what is going on when you and I reach out to people in Meyer, or we change diapers or we coach baseball or you build houses in Guatemala or you buy groceries, when you mow the lawn or when you have coffee with someone, when you clean the pantry, you set up a table, do you know what's going on when you don't bury your gift? First Peter chapter four, first Peter chapter four, verse 10. Each of you, every single one of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Why? Because we are faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You and I are stewarding God's grace on this earth. You and I are often responsible for connecting people with the grace of God in whatever gift you've been given. And it looks a lot different when you go from person to person. This is a big deal. And when you find your shape, when you dig up what God has gifted you and you start using it, I guarantee you, you'll make a big splash for the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for your grace and the way you've impacted each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for your Holy Spirit, and we thank you for this idea of spiritual gifts. And I pray right now, Father, for every single person in here, the ones who know their gifts and are using them, I pray for strength and endurance when challenges come their way. For those, Father, who are blind to their giftedness, I pray that they will take advantage of this shape workshop 
for those, Father, who are hiding their gifts because they're afraid or something else, I pray that we can meet together and that you can use our time to help dig up what they've buried. And I pray, Father, that every time we use whatever gift we've been given to steward your grace in its various forms, that you show us where there's impact, show us where there's potential, remind us of why we're doing what we're doing. Father, we love you. And we know you love us because of your son, Jesus. So as always, we pray and we praise you in his name. Amen. Something didn't click this morning. You want a little more clarity? You want to chat? I'll be to your right. Love to connect with you.